parents, when you visit California, childhood rules. If you don't remember how awesome childhood is, just ask yourself. What would kids do? Dance to a giant organ played by ocean waves? Yep. Camp in floating tree houses hundreds of feet off the ground? Check. Jump in a big tub of mud on purpose? Call it rejuvenation. We don't care. Just pack your fun pants and let childhood rule your family vacation. If you need help, ask your kids. Start planning at visitcalifornia.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to Dunked on Prime. If you are listening on the free feed, I highly recommend that you give Dunked on Prime a try because it's absolutely risk-free. You can do it with a one-month free trial that's going to encompass the mock trade deadline. It's going to encompass the trade deadline itself and all of these trade deadline outlooks. You'll also get Seth Partnow's writing. You get every Hollinger and Duncan episode instead of just a few of them on that free feed. And you'll get Danny's and my ancestors and Danny's chats and access to our salary sheets, the same ones that we use ourselves to compile all of this material for you. So link is in the show notes here. Check it out. There's no reason not to do it. You can always just cancel if you're not impressed, but we want to give everyone who's been on the fence about joining Dunked on Prime a reason to give it a shot. And we hope that we impress you enough over the next month for you to want to make it a full-time thing. Speaking of full-time, Joe Prunty will, of course, not be the Bucks full-time head coach, Danny. It will be Mike Budenholzer. No, Doc Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike Budenholzer was recent, but not present. And it is really surprising in some ways, like if you kind of thought about why Mike Budenholzer got fired, that if you kind of ignored all of the other elements, to, that Doc Rivers is the is the man who eventually replaces him, because many of the criticisms for Mike Budenholzer are also present for Doc Rivers, even if they're general criticisms that the more specific nuances are different. But Mike Budenholzer is a way better coach overall, like he's better at developing a system, better at tailoring said system to his talent. And so for Doc, I mean, he clearly has things that he does well. You've articulated particularly that, you know, with shorthanded teams, getting guys to buy in, getting them to be motivated, making that work is a real strength of his. And there have been times with the shorthanded Sixers and the shorthanded Clippers where that worked really well. But reacting to high pressure situations, making big adjustments, and I would say even more generally, I mean, you can see the difference between the Sixers last year and the Sixers this year. There are better coaches at maximizing unique individual players. And Joel Embiid is certainly one of those. And so is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so that is concerning if we're talking about the Bucks as a championship level team, which is, of course, what they're expecting and what they're expecting of Doc Rivers. Yeah, Doc Rivers, I believe he will be an upgrade on Adrian Griffin. So I can't say that I hate the move. But if, as you noted yesterday, there are two components to it, one is the firing and one is who do you hire? Yeah, I don't. Can I tell you that Doc Rivers would, I think he'll do a worse job in the playoffs than some first year head coach. They obviously just went the first year head coach. That didn't work. They need someone with some gravitas. Quite frankly, they probably need someone that Giannis and Dame and Chris Milton are going to listen to. And because there are going to have to be some kinds of sacrifices made. Giannis is just going to have to be more of a role man than he's wanted to be in the past. Like he's still done a lot of isolating. Dame's usage is down, which you'd expect some, but I still think he should be getting more pick and roll usage. His numbers have really dropped in the last month or so. He's not shooting as well from three, which you would think, I mean, maybe he's getting a little older and that's the reason, but you would think that because he is now on a team with all these other threats that he should be able to be as efficient, if not more so, than he's ever been. And is Doc Rivers the guy who's like, oh man, they're going to schematically unlock all this stuff? Probably not. But also, maybe he's not going to overthink it, and he's just going to run the easy, simple shit that a team with Giannis and Dame and very good spacing can really be successful with. Now, of course, they were very good on offense already. Really, it's more to the defense. Again, maybe it's just simply competing every night. 
being on the same page, which I think Doc Rivers teams largely are defensively. Like you don't see them making a ton of mistakes and just getting everyone to buy in and play to their potential. Although surely there will be more moves coming in the trade market. Jake Fisher wrote about that today. So I like it's just given Doc Rivers playoff record some of the failures that he's presided over it's really hard for me to say well we've underperformed in the playoffs so let's go hire doc rivers exactly and it's especially frustrating you know i would say especially if you're a bucks fan in the context that milwaukee seemed like an extremely desirable destination in the offseason when there were a surprisingly large number of high-profile coaches available, like with Nurse and Monty Williams and presumably Doc Rivers. And for them to, to for it seems like they turned down Nurse rather than Nurse turning down the Sixers, though there can be some murkiness with that. And Doc Rivers, I mean, one of my big frustrations with kind of how things have gone for him, and this this happens, and, and you could argue it's it's a natural thing, is like there's a version of the Peter Principle where like, so for those who are unfamiliar, the Peter Principle is that people rise to a position that they're ill-suited for, is a shorthand version of it. And so I think Doc Rivers would be a very good coach on a certain subset of situations. And that would be when he, you know, like those younger teams, getting them to buy in, getting to like lay the foundation and all that type of stuff and then the the teams with high stakes with unusual pieces generally he has done pretty poorly in that and you could the clippers run there were a lot of big frustrations the sixers run obviously there were two and for whatever reason unlike let's say like rick carlisle who also has one championship ring doc rivers has never taken at ever since the celtics won their title doc rivers has never had one of those jobs and so he's been in these positions where he's ill-suited and i think that is going to be exacerbated in many ways with the bucks i would love to be wrong i'd love for this to work out swimmingly for the bucks to win a championship in part because of doc rivers brilliance it's just not what i'm expecting right now yeah i guess maybe you could say the one time he's had that job has been with the 18 or 19 clippers after chris paul left and before they got Kawhi and bg and he did a very nice job with the those teams i will say one thing though about doc rivers if anything i think he has over indexed on prioritizing transition defense over the offensive glass Uh, in fact one front office member that, that I talked to who had worked with Doc Rivers in the past said, hey, maybe you should hit the offensive glass a little bit more. Maybe you should really try to – you're always saying, hey, you can get these guys to to crash into the paint and then close out like it's possible to do both. Maybe you should be trying to require more of your players to crash the glass and also get back. But Doc Rivers, historically, he said, no, get your ass back right now. And hey, that's like – exactly what this Milwaukee Bucks team needs this is the lowest possible hanging fruit is their awful transition defense and Doc Rivers historically has really really prioritized that perhaps even too much it's it's a great point something I hadn't totally thought about though I'm sure it would have come up in the in the coming days and again we will we will get to one of the things that is important here is to reevaluate with new context, but we have a lot of context with Doc, so it's we we can we can rely on our priors at least a little bit, and we'll see where things go from here. Anything else on the hire? Well, who else should they have hired instead that's available now or now back in July? Now, June, actually. yeah, because if we're going to say that they shouldn't have hired Doc Rivers, which it seems like kind of what we're leaning towards, who are we saying they should have hired instead that's available? I think Budenholzer is a better coach. <laughs> I, I as much as I agree with you that he's exactly probably what they need right now that just was never going to be tenable from an emotional standpoint so if it's I, not Budenholzer then who it's hard to know who would have been interested like does Mike T- D'Antoni want a like short-term head coaching job like the, the, to figure out some of the offensive stuff that would have been kind of fun um, yeah, I, I mean, we saw Mike D'Antoni when Houston had a good offense and they needed to fix the defense. They hired Mike D'Antoni and they just made the offense even better. And as it turned out, the defense was okay too. But yeah, I mean, D'Antoni, he's in like his mid seventies right now. I, that's, I, I think it's a risk going with someone of that age. He hasn't coached since 2020 now. That's, that's a long time. Um, yeah. In terms of other guys who are available, I think Kenny Atkinson would have been interesting. Like he is sort of does a lot of the same things that Bud does and has uh, some creativity and his Nets teams were very much about the math problem. Now the big stars that he worked with there didn't like him. And I do think that 
after Adrian Griffin, the number one job is going to be to get buy-in from all these stars because it's not, I, I don't know that there are like schematic silver bullets available. No, it's, it's not for like this when team, Jason you know? King got fired. Yeah. It's, I, I think a lot of it is just belief, hopefully getting a few more defenders who aren't total zeros on offense in with the, the picks that they have available. And now I, I think from an emotional standpoint, you know, I don't love Doc Ruse because they've just, they've had so many blown leads under him, the various Clippers teams and you know, even the Celtics teams. I don't know that they were, that they overperformed really in any one year other than maybe 2010 under Doc Rivers. And uh, obviously those Sixers teams, uh, there was a feeling that they didn't live up to their potential in the playoffs either. So I, 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 I'm not going to go as far as to say that this is the wrong hire. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, Terry Stotts would be another sure. one, right? Uh, now, maybe just for the same reasons that Mike Budenholzer wouldn't work for Giannis, Terry Stotts wouldn't work for Damian Lillard as the head guy, as the guy who is the emotional compass of this team. I think the idea of Doc Rivers as emotional compass is a good one. And of course, you know, he still deserves a lot of credit for the way he led the Clippers through all the Sterling shit 10 years ago. And so he's deemed to be a good leader. He'll certainly be a nice face in the press. And also, we will all benefit from when it does go wrong, finding out exactly why Doc Rivers thought it went wrong. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and, and somehow it probably not being Doc Rivers' fault, but according to Doc. Yeah, yeah but Doc, you know, he... He did. He alienated Ben Simmons. He kind of alienated James Harden. Those are two rather touchy individuals. But to say that he just always has this amazing relationship with his stars, I don't think that that's particularly accurate at this point in time. But of the guys who are like, hey, if we're going to fire our coach in season, this is who we're going to bring in. If it wasn't going to be Bud and it wasn't going to be Sots and Kenny Atkinson, you know, I, I, I'm not going to tell you that I know that Kenny Atkinson would do a better job than Doc Rivers. So ultimately, I, I mean, maybe there's some other former coaching candidates that I'm just like, there's talk that maybe Jeff Van Gunny, like Jeff Van Gunny hasn't coached since 2007, other than for undermanned USA teams. So yeah, they, they blew it. They probably should have hired Nick Nurse. Giannis didn't want Nick Nurse. Uh, Nurse didn't cover himself in glory with the guys uh, in Toronto in terms of uh, the way things ended there emotionally. So as I really talk through it, I I'm a, I don't know if this is like, I mean, I think we're going to end up sort of seeing them fail under Doc Rivers and the way some of these Doc Rivers teams have failed. But I also don't know that there was a better in-season candidate available right now. And also, quite frankly, with Doc Rivers not having had a training camp, it may be a little unfair to him if they disappoint in the playoffs to put it like completely on him, particularly if they can't get more reinforcements on the wing. Which will be very hard to do. I'm um, just into the nature of where the Bucks are financially and everything else and pick wise and everything else. Parents, when you visit California, childhood rules. If you don't remember how awesome childhood is, just ask yourself. What would kids do? Dance to a giant organ played by ocean waves? Yep. Camp in floating tree houses hundreds of feet off the ground? Check. Jump in a big tub of mud on purpose? Call it rejuvenation. We don't care. Just pack your fun pants and let childhood rule your family vacation. If you need help, ask your kids. Start planning at visitcalifornia.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, what division are we talking about today for our trade deadline outlook? We just saw on Tuesday a significant trade within the Southeast Division that also probably made it a little bit of a simpler discussion. I figure we might as well start there, but I will give you the choice of which Southwest Southeast Division team to start with. Well, let's get back to the Miami Heat now. Uh, probably, I would say, the sexiest team in this division from a trade deadline standpoint, even now. And let's just talk about what they have available to trade with this circumstance where they are $8.7 million over the tax at the moment and 1.2 over the first apron. First of all, of course, all of their 
current players, though Rozier can't be aggregated. The Heat also are prevented from trading a first-round pick. Now, the earliest they could convey is 2030 because the the pick that they owe to Charlotte has a 20 has a 28 element. So Stepien really can go to 2030. So they have one first they can trade. The Heat also are very low on seconds. I haven't I I'm not doing exact list, but I'm scrolling through it. They they might be completely out. They might have one. Like and then they have a bonus one. They have the Lakers in 26, which I don't think is going to draw a ton of interest, even though who knows who knows who's going to be on the Lakers in 2026. But so they're they're extremely asset poor unless 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 they are willing to trade players on their current roster who would generate interest. And the most expensive of those is Tyler Hero, because we assume Bam and Jimmy aren't going anywhere. And then you could theoretically, if they wanted to, you could use Caleb Martin as a sweetener. If you don't want to re-sign him, you could use Highsmith or if a team was interested, Orlando Robinson, somebody like that. But what makes the Heat interesting is that now that they've made the Rozier trade, it's pretty much not a draft-centric thing. It's going to be, does another team want the players they have? Let's just go through who's on the Heat now. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but just to as a precursor to discussing what they need to upgrade. So... Presumably, your starting backcourt is Terry Rozier and Tyler Hero. And then Bam and Jimmy are, of course, going to start as well. And maybe you go Hawkes, maybe you go Caleb Martin. Those are probably your two other options to start in the front court. And then coming off the bench, you've got Duncan Robinson, you've got Josh Richardson, Haywood Highsmith, Thomas Bryant, and a couple of backup centers. And, and Kevin Love is playing really more at backup center. At this point as well. Yeah, and they got Nikola Jovic, who actually has been starting for them a little bit as well. But I imagine won't be. Yeah, I mean, Hawkes is is not back yet from this uh, strained groin. I'm assuming he will take that role relatively shortly. One would think so. What does that team need at this point in time? The hope is that they don't need more shot creation, though I'm concerned that they still do. I would also, you know, the overall kind of like passing isn't quite there. And the Heat have shooting, but it's not as much within their, you know, well, Rozier's going to help with that. He's a high volume three-point shooter. Um, but especially if they're going with Caleb Martin over Duncan Robinson because of the defensive issues. But as a rotation, I mean, you can, you fill some of the holes in the starting lineup with some of the rotation players. The challenge is that you open up new holes. Yeah, I think they do have enough usage with those big four guys. I mean, that's four guys with uh, historically over 20 percent usage in hero rosier butler and bam and then you've still got some guys who can do some scoring off the bench like kevin love Hakez as well i mean he's as a he's been creeping up near 20 usage and when butler oh. hasn't played it's been above that sorry the the biggest thing that they need if if terry rosier is the defender that i expect him to be is point of attack guard perimeter defense like guard guard defense all that kind of stuff like even if you have jimmy and in some lineups caleb martin out there and haywood highsmith is a wonderful defender too though he kind of succeeds in a little bit of a different way than point of attack stuff he can do some of it but i would love to have somebody there the problem is replacing that requires replacing rosier or hero unless you're going to add in like one of those like zaire williams type of guys who's three sized but guards ones yeah i would say they could use some more passing Sure. In the backcourt, and neither Hero nor Rozier are really great point guards. I, I don't see them going the point guard route, though. I think just more size in the backcourt. And, and hey, if they did move Tyler Hero, he's got a big salary, too. That could maybe get them close towards being out of the tax and also maybe fix some of their long-term salary issues. And then you'd start Martin and Jaquez with Rozier at the one. And that's a pretty ridiculous defensive group. Even the playoffs. So if Rozier is your worst defender, I think you're fine. If he's your second worst defender, then I think you're probably a little bit too small. And the chances of him recovering his youth as a defender at age 30, it, we've seen guys do that for the Heat before, but I wouldn't want to necessarily count on that. And maybe they feel like Hakez is, is a good passer. He can give them a little bit more creation also. So it'd be nice to have like a more traditional backup point guard. I assume they're going to stagger Hero and Rozier a lot if those guys stick around. But I would also love to have one more reliable 3 and D contributor. The question is, who are they getting that's better than Caleb Martin and Josh Richardson at this point in time? Or or Haywood Highsmith is probably not as reliable from the 3 standpoint. He's more reliable from the D standpoint. But those three guys, they seem like probably enough in terms of depth 
on the wing. So, so it's not like they don't necessarily have like some one spot that desperately needs an upgrade. This is probably a deeper heat team now with the acquisition of Rozier than it's been in some time. But they also, I, I think, just that weakness of those two guys, Rozier and Hero, together in the backcourt. And particularly if you want to do more zone stuff or more switching, it just becomes tough. And also, like, Bam Adebayo is an unbelievable defender, but his one of his weaknesses is that he's not as great a traditional, like, backline rim protector as other guys are, and that he allows you to do other things. But some of those scheme optionalities that he creates are taken away by the other players that they now intend to start and close with. Yeah, so I don't think they're really, like, an athletic four who could shoot a little bit would be nice. Kyle Kuzma really seems too expensive and also maybe overqualified for what they could get and or for what would help them well and if and if the blazers wanted tyler hero they could have gotten him in the summer so i don't think that they would do that for jeremy grant no yeah and neither of those incumbent teams the wizards already have jordan pool and the blazers have a ton of small guards already so they wouldn't be too interested there the Heat can absolutely engage in a potential three-team tower hero trade where like they move hero to Team X that actually wants him and then those resources to Team Y and and, so, and you know try to make the salaries match and everything else. But that's hard to do in season, especially teams, facilitators and everything else. I'm not going to say it's impossible. It's just harder to do. Yeah, so if I my prediction is that if a move is made, it's going to be a little bit more financially focused. Maybe it brings back a player getting out of the tax entirely that's tough to clear like that, off that's going to sacrifice million. team quality for them like the, yeah. there is there is no way for them to duck the tax and be even close like and be similarly good yeah i mean i think the only way that really shows up to me is no i mean caleb martin in a minimum would do it uh but 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 then you have to fill those roster spots and like yeah. it would, the math would be a little bit tough. Yeah, I I, I don't want to go through exactly what it, what it would take there, but uh, you know they have guys that they could move, I'm sure, to do it. But yeah, they, they don't have a ton of sweeteners. Really, is there a way that they could move Hero and maybe one of the minimum guys and bring back one player and get out of there? <sighs> possibly, possibly. Uh, they're, they're also another thing too is they're holding on to Drew Smith right now who's on a standard NBA contract. Remember he tore his ACL when he fell into that pit on the side of the court in Cleveland. He, you would think is going to get moved. They would have waived him or, or traded him already. Maybe it's a cash incentive that gets that done. He's making the minimum this season, but if you move him and then just fill his roster spot with the rest of the season, that'll save him some tax scratch as well. Sure. I expect that to happen. Yes. As do I, but yeah, I think it's probably a hero deal. I mean, maybe Duncan Robinson would be the other one. And that's one where I, with the acquisition of Rozier, maybe you can feel like Duncan Robinson, if you can trade him. And I mean, it would be really tough though. I don't think any team has a big enough trade exception to just take him. So it'd be tough to engineer the math to have that be enough to get out. But then maybe you could do it with him, take back a guy who's making five million less, and then you get rid of a couple of minimums. Like they, um, I will, I will say Brooklyn has actually two trade exceptions that are large enough, but they would have to do something else to make sure they stay under the tax. Yeah, that could be interesting. And Brooklyn's reportedly interested in Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero would probably help Brooklyn, honestly. Parents, when you visit California, childhood rules. If you don't remember how awesome childhood is, just ask yourself. What would kids do? Dance to a giant organ played by ocean waves? Yep. Camp in floating tree houses hundreds of feet off the ground? Check. Jump in a big tub of mud on purpose? Call it rejuvenation. We don't care. Just pack your fun pants and let childhood rule your family vacation. If you need help, ask your kids. Start planning at visitcalifornia.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Who's next here? 
Atlanta. I think that we, we've discussed a lot of the DeJounte Murray concepts that are out there now with the Lakers and the Nets. Um, and just to kind of let out the big picture stuff for the Hawks. So they're well under the tax for this year after the John Collins trade with the Utah Jazz. But they're in difficult straits moving forward because 24-25, if they retain Sadiq Bay at basically any number, then things get really tight. Even if they let Bruno Fernando go, he has a team option and Garrison Matthews, or he has a non-guaranteed Garrison Matthews has a team option. They have a team option on Garrison Matthews. But so so then so part of it for them is like, yeah, and then, and then because that DeJounte's extension kicks in and then they still have basically all the same obligations for 25, 26, except you add in Jalen Johnson, presumably getting a new contract via extension or restricted free agency. So Atlanta would would love to clean up their books if they can. But one of the key questions is how how desperate are they to do it? Because they could, you know, you could sacrifice a lot in team quality or in terms of assets to do so. But then you're, you know, then you're making other sacrifices there. And then the other key piece of context is that the Hawks do have their own first round pick this year. But then their 25 and 27 are owed to the Spurs unprotected. And then their 26, the Spurs have an unprotected swap right. So what that means is the, the Hawks don't have their own draft. Now, that doesn't mean you have to compete as hard as you can every single year, but it does take some of the incentive out of getting worse because you're not improving your draft capital beyond this year. Yeah, I think that's really important context for next season that you brought up. And even without Sadiq Bay. The Hawks would be pretty close to the tax with 13 guys, uh, including potentially that Sacramento first if they make the playoffs uh, and their own first, which is projected to be pretty high if if they're not going to make the playoffs themselves. So and that's without Sadiq Bey. However, and, and really, you've got three trade candidates in addition to Murray that have been bandied about. That's because remember, Aneka Kangu, he signed his extension, starts at 14 million next year. You still got Clint Capella in the last year of his deal, making 22 next offseason. You've got DeAndre Hunter, who has three more years after this one, averaging around 23 per season. You've got Bogdan Bogdanovich, age 32 season next year, making about 17 over two more years after this one, plus a team option. And then you have the possibility of Bay re-signing, which you would imagine would be in the low eight-figure range, although I think his value has fluctuated both in the team's eyes and in observers like ours. So that, that And then, of course, there's Murray as well, who starts an extension at 25 next year. That goes up to 31 in the fourth year of the extension that starts next year. So there clearly is an impetus. They're not, even if they were playing better, which of course they're not, they wouldn't be bringing back this team due to tax concerns. This is not a group that's going to pay the tax and particularly not for a mid-level team of this ilk. So I think let's move back now. Like they're clearly, they're going to be one of the most active teams. One of these guys, Bay, Capella, Hunter, Bogdan, Murray are not going to be on the team after the trade deadline. I would be very surprised if they were uh and certainly not all of them will be on the team to begin next season let's begin though with murray danny if you are landry fields and company what is the return in terms of assets for this guy that you just signed to this four-year extension i do think not only that he is positive value but i think that he is seen more positively around the league which is relevant context because what you what you and i evaluate is one thing but how with the kind of offers that you're getting and presumably there will be some sort of matching salary coming back that of course changes the return i my line would be lower than i'm guessing landry fields would be I would love for it to be a first round pick with some upside. So like not bottom five, like the equivalent of not like not the Celtics pick and a young player of interest or a or a draft pick commensurate with that. So that could be like a high second or it could be a player like more of a second draft type of guy. I'm not talking about like a young star budding star or something like that, but a circumstance like that where you could fill a spot in your rotation, maybe not your starting five with said player and then you get a first round pick. Yeah, so two major assets is kind of what I'm thinking of as well. And recall what they gave up to get him were that three years of their draft, 25 through 27, unprotected. They gave up that crazy protected Hornets pick that they had from the Cam Reddish deal. And they also took on a fair amount of money 
as well uh, because they traded Danilo Gallinari, who had a waivable contract at that point. So if you're, let's say you're Landry Fields talking to the Lakers, if they give you Austin Reeves plus filler or 2029 first round pick unprotected plus D'Angelo Russell, is that enough, right? Like we've heard this reporting that, well, they want to move Russell to a third team. That's been one of the holdups, but the Russell thing is ultimately somewhat ancillary in terms of because he's not really part of the return well, and and we know it's ancillary because we, we're pretty sure that another team isn't going to give up a huge return for him for russell in the first place if, I, if there was then it, may have, sure. it may have already happened so we are pretty sure of that yes. and so and so for me no in part because the lakers have generally pushed you know like so it, it's not the you know unprotected picks are are pretty valuable and you never know where a season's going to go but like it it appears at least at the moment like anthony davis is going to be there a really long time he won't be nearly as good that far out as he is now but the lakers kind of as an organizational push being a major market team you could catch them in a gap year they've absolutely had them in the last decade and and really in the last two decades too but that's a single asset and i don't think you can convert russell into the second one of those i mean you might even worry that if russ his player option for next year that you're not actually even getting that kind of savings for 24 25 which is a part of the point of this because murray and russell's contracts if russell picks up his option they're only about i think six million different that means if you're the hawks and saving money is really a significant part of this calculation trading murray in a return that nets russell and and he could decline the option and you could let him go but like there is a risk there that you're not actually saving the money that you need to save for the 24 25 season and if the Lakers are willing to do this kind of deal, then that's probably the best they were. They didn't get offered anything better for D'Lo. So it's worth considering there. Um, there is the potential addition of Jalen hood Shavino. I am not the highest on him, but I could very well see another front office feeling differently. And so maybe hood Shafino, Russell, 2029 first is like at least then you're you're in the conversation if you think hood Shafino has a plausible chance of being a player. Yeah, and the Hawks do have a reasonable amount below the tax. They also have a trade exception from the John Collins deal. It's $23 million that they could use. So they could maybe offer a little bit of salary relief to a team in a Murray deal for this year. And maybe that's how they could. I would recommend that they do that. But they're probably going to want expiring contracts or expiring-ish contracts back for Murray. I think uh, the Russell thing isn't even necessarily that he causes problems for them this year. It's that that player option for next year would be an issue with those concerns that we talked about. Again, having you know, they've probably got four or five players who are overpaid by like four or five million a year <laughs> at this point. And yeah, that's good. That's going to make things pretty difficult for them as we think about just what they need more of like bay has really struggled we've talked about that if they were to stand pat with murray i mean this isn't necessarily a situation where you feel like you have to move now even though there's been so much buzz about it you think it's probably going to happen particularly because murray makes seven million dollars less this year than he's going to next year and that makes him both more attractive to teams that you can send back guys who are smaller salaries to the Hawks, uh, and then, of course, the Hawks save more money for next year as well. But they don't, and they're going to need someone else who can dribble, right? They go right back to having that same backup point guard problem. Maybe they think that that's going to be Kobe well, Bufkin that's, now. That's they give the, him a shot. That's the that's the part of the Hawks story that is so compelling, is that their biggest need is whatever the, whichever player they trade. Like, they, they have yeah. a roster that is relatively, like, it's not good, but it is relatively balanced and self-sufficient. It's just that it's at a level that and, you're not and, satisfied Yeah, with. but so yeah, you, exactly trade so if you so so you're basically like willing to accept a shittier version of the player that you're giving up and some sort of asset and then so you're going to probably be worse but you're getting a little bit cheaper and everything else like that and it's a similar story a probably more extreme if you trade bogdanovich and then with capella it could be a little bit different but you are going to need a backup five it's just that backup fives are plentiful yeah i mean maybe they even would just throw bruno fernando into that role and i wonder if the feeling isn't just to try to tank the rest of the year. I mean, not hard, but all right, let's see what we got in Kobe Bufkin. Let's see what we got in AJ Griffin, who's just been on a milk carton all season. Let's see what we've got uh, in even someone like Bruno Fernando, who's not guaranteed for next year. We got a team option on Garrison Matthews. Let's let him play. Let's see what we've got in Muhammad Gay and, and see if they can try to 
feel good about going into next year with maybe some cheap contributors in a rotation role. But of course, the problem with all these guys, as you noted, is they have guys theoretically in these roles, but they're just not that good. I would I would say Bogdan is is pretty good for his role, but even he is a little expensive for a guy who's kind of more you know, half starter, half backup. Can't really play that many minutes due to his knees. Going to be thirty two next year, so even he isn't some like screaming bargain. Like he's a good player that a good team would want to have to play twenty five minutes coming off their bench, not necessarily to be like a premium starter. Like I'm not sure by, that by if the way, you, yeah. Bogdan Bogdanovich would make a lot of sense on the Lakers. It, it to me sure. the, the it might be more of a clutch thing, but like Dejounte Murray getting all the Lakers buzz when Bogdanovich is probably available at a cheaper asset price and is a logical fit with LeBron and AD because he can be a complimentary ball handler. He shoots the hell out of the ball. Like that is to me that's a little bit telling. Yeah, well, and maybe we even floated the idea of Murray and Bogdanovich both being in that trade perhaps but yeah that's that's ultimately i mean there's not like a huge impetus to move murray because of his contract situation but he is at his most viable right now because he's making less and the salary matching is easier for a team like say the lakers well and and a quick note um dan feldman did some digging on this so in a previous cba it would have been complicated with the so janjay murray has a trade bonus on his extension but not on this deal but if he does get traded he does get that paid out it is technically paid out by the hawks but it, it seems like that is not a significant hurdle here and he could always waive it if he needed to yeah he might be happy to be going somewhere else but yeah it would be one of the largest payouts in league history technically it's over a guy traded with four years left on his deal like that it, I mean, it's that's... almost like what Rashawn holmes's agent was doing when he did that calculation <laughs> yeah yeah i mean 15 trade bonus uh, of you know over 100 million dollars uh, that's left uh, on the deal so I, I i guess anything else like that we need to talk about with well, these guys two two things one i would be i'd be listening on click appella i mean he helps them clearly but if another team you know really valued him and there have been times that Clint Capella has had fans around the league that were for years there were rumblings that Dallas wanted him and I don't you know, with Derek Lively I don't think they should right now but he, he has fans around the league and then the other one I don't want to get into a long conversation here but if I were Landry Fields I would be listening on Trey Young I don't expect to to move him now for a variety of reasons but if another team makes you a makes you a wild offer because I I've laid this out before here and on Real Jam Radio there are this there's this group of teams that what they need the most are is a like primary ball handler and those just so happen to be some of the most asset rich teams in the league the jazz the you could argue maybe the pelicans if you want to go in different circumstances uh the magic or another team yeah, that can or, do Orlando, like that. which missed out on him by one pick in the draft sure and so I'm not saying trade Trey Young. I'm saying, listen, give those teams a call and say, hey, if we were to make Trey Young available, give me a realistic offer that you would make. And if that seems like a high water mark or high-ish water mark, even though the Hawks have had a disappointing year, then I would I would seriously consider taking it, in part because it helps your draft pick this year, and in part because I still don't exactly understand what they're doing here. If it's, you know, I, and, and so that would be a way to kind of bridge all this. And again, I'm not saying to do it, but I'm saying they should listen also to just get a calibration on what his value is. Yeah, it's probably a little bit too early there, but I, I do think if they move Murray, they may be moving into a, ah, we'll get Trey some rest down the end of the season. Uh, although, could that run afoul of the league's resting policy? I, I suppose we'll see. And Capella, that $22 million that he's got next year, that's too much. If there's a team that was willing to trade me in a, an expiring contract for Capella and is willing to pay that $22 million next year, I think I would just do that as Atlanta if if I if that were just if nothing else is available and a team is willing to bring in Capella to be their starter I'm just not sure who that well, is right well, like I went through that for Nick Claxton I mean, and there aren't that many teams is that Troy Weaver's music kind of seems like Troy Weaver's music no come on be, be realistic they have Jalen Dillon I don't know that I could be more realistic come on they're not going to trade for for Clint Capella they got Jalen Duran now uh they still have Isaiah Stewart yeah so it's really tough to figure out uh, is there somebody who wants any of these guys? And I'm just not sure that there is. But I do think there is something. And 
and are they willing to cut bait on them for a lower price? Because that seems like what might end up happening, not with, with DeJounte Murray, but with some of these other guys later on. Like, oh, you hold Clint Capella for this year, and then you dump him next year. Like, and, and you could argue that that's a better result than dumping him now, depending on how you feel about their draft equity. But like, it doesn't seem like there's those guys are going to do a ton of rehabbing their value on a Hawks team that may make the play-in, but is not going to like set the world on fire in all likelihood. Surely. And again, I think it's worth remembering 25 through 27, they do not have control of their draft pick. This is the last year. Yes, I realize people think that this draft sucks, but it's also what might be a chance for a little bit of retrenchment, a little bit of seeing what you have in some of these young guys that haven't featured yet. And now they're not going to have cap space unless they do some crazy surgery on the roster this offseason. But I, I think Bay, they probably should just move him and get what they can for him at this point. I don't think they're going to re-sign him, but he's another guy who might be at his nadir, at least until he's a free agent, in which case he has no value whatsoever. And yeah, I think that there is, because the Hawks have this trade exception and because they have this money below the tax, that I think that would be a smart move is to get some of these guys who can play a little bit. Now, they don't have many expirings, but I think if they could just trade some of these guys for an expiring contract that maybe is bigger, so you offer a team that's acquiring that player tax relief this year, but then you get the long-term salary relief, that might be a reasonable construct for a trade. Parents, when you visit California, childhood rules. If you don't remember how awesome childhood is, just ask yourself, What would kids do? Then pack your fun pants and let childhood rule your family vacation. Start planning at visitcalifornia.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Let's do one more team here. Do you want to do the Wizards? I mean, I, I mean, we could do the Hornets quickly and just say sell everyone other than Lamelo and <laughs> Williams and Brandon Miller. Let's do the Hornets because we talked about them yesterday. And so let's talk about who they have then. Uh, they've got Gordon Hayward making 31 and a half million expiring contract. Got Cal Lowry making 30 expiring contract. You got PJ Washington making 17 this year. He descends down to 14 over the next two seasons after this one. You got Miles Bridges who can block a trade, makes 8 million, but a receiving team would not have bird rights. There was some reporting that the Lakers might be interested in him, but then they would have no way to resign him. He would just be a pure rental. They've got Cody Martin who is 28, just like his twin brother. And he's got another year after this one at 8.1. And then a non-guarantee year after that. He's someone who maybe would have value for a team, right? Like he might look good in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform if the Hornets wanted to try to pick up a second for him. I would probably just try to hold on to Cody Martin if you're just getting a second back. As long as they believe that he's healthy, I think he plays hard. He could be a good culture setter for them. And you know, I'm not sure anybody's too interested in Nick Richards at this point, and certainly not James Booknight. So I, I don't of all those names that I mentioned, Danny, I don't see anyone that gets you to first round value. Like maybe maybe it's Miles well, Bridges the, for if it's the, you know a low first or something. Get there, the way you get there is taking on money in future right. years if you're willing to do it. And so like Gordon Hayward, like let's say I'll go to the most extreme example. Even though I don't think Brooklyn should be prioritizing this, if Charlotte went to Brooklyn and said Gordon Hayward for Ben Simmons plus at least one first, I think they would do it because that just it just cleans a bunch off their books. I I wouldn't do that as Charlotte unless that first is way better than I expected to be. But that's that's the mechanism there. Is if you can because there aren't that many bad salaries around the league. But if you can save a team forty million that they don't that they don't want, then by all means. Yeah, I think that's fair and. Uh, pj washington would somebody give up a first for the 25 year old power forward <sighs> i mean nobody seemed willing to really engage with him in restricted free agency maybe it's because they were scared the hornets would match but like you look at the contract he signed and i mean first of all i think it's in the reasonable range rather than the like surplus range but if teams were interested they could have gotten him yeah he hasn't covered himself in glory so far i, I thought he actually had uh, 
there's some intriguing aspects maybe that uh, like he looked pretty decent guarding like zion one-on-one in that game they played against the pelicans like he's a little better moving his feet he's got some halves but he doesn't really make plays at all defensively so it is tough to play him at center as a result of that i mean is there a team that would try to you know make him into the next pj tucker on a real team i don't think he quite moves his feet that way i don't think he has quite that level of toughness but that's an interesting idea I mean, one, of, one of the one of the funniest it just seems that neither team is seeing it this way would be something involving pj washington one of the presumably i guess that would be gordon hayward just for um, aggregation reasons and zach levine it's just that the the bulls want more for zach levine they're not trying to dump him even though i think they should and the and the hornets probably don't want more value their cap space too much and they probably wouldn't want levine yeah so really between hayward and lowry you can give a team a lot of salary relief but historically, you just haven't seen teams willing to give up more than one first to get off of a guy. And you know, would one first be enough to take on forty million of Ben Simmons? I mean, maybe if it was one of Brooklyn's better ones, but I, I don't think Brooklyn really—they probably don't want to move that quickly. I think they want to just wait until the summer of twenty-five when Simmons expires of his own accord, his contract that is. Uh, I mean, I think ownership would be pretty would be pretty thrilled. Like that, it's one of those things that it wouldn't necessarily make the team better, but it would make the owner a whole lot happier with Sean Marks. Yeah, and they have a, a few of these picks out there. But if it's a twenty twenty nine Phoenix first, okay, yeah, then maybe if it's one of, if it's a twenty twenty five Phoenix first, like no, probably not uh, at that point. Yeah, I guess it's really it's tough to say. Oh, Nate, Nate, yeah. the better the better of Dallas, Brooklyn, and Phoenix's own Phoenix's pick in twenty twenty nine. Yeah, I think the Nets would would not necessarily want to do that, but yeah. th- that's an intriguing contract. I think another interesting target for them might be Andrew Wiggins, like Gordon Hayward for Andrew Wiggins. Sure. And you know what? What are you? Would you just do that deal as the Hornets? Like just to try to as buy the, low on someone like Andrew Wiggins. I mean, they kind of they actually as, if as the know. Hornets, absolutely. You you would so you so then you're like all right, 100%. we'll re-sign Miles Bridges and we'll go forward with Mark Williams, Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, Andrew Wiggins, and the Mellow Ball. That's actually kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting if and, you can and get you, you could rehab his value. Like I, I firmly believe that Andrew Wiggins he will play better in a future year than he is playing right now. Like this is the worst he's played in a long time. It's and, a true nadir. It's the worst he's ever played. And so, so for that, from that perspective, and you think about Wiggins, you know, his contract, you and I both thought it was a screaming deal when it was signed that do that. And also well, like, for well, sure, like, the they're screaming. <laughs> yeah, they're screaming. The opportunity cost is relatively low. Oh no, you take 26 million off of their books for next year. You weren't going to sign anyone anyway. So if that, if the Warriors were excited about that, I would be all over it as Charlotte. Yeah, maybe there's a construct to take someone like PJ Tucker from the Clippers, save the Clippers a, a bunch of money. Uh how are, do they have any trade exceptions? Charlotte, well they 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 didn't really create any over the course of the year. Um so they they don't they have a like a two million dollar one. Yeah, they took on more money in the Rosier deal. So yeah, it might be a little bit more difficult to get to that. But given where they are, they could take on well, and the and salary matching rules are extremely flexible right now. Yes, but when I talk these teams that are just way way into the tax, Charlotte seems open for business there. Although Washington, who we'll talk about next time, is also going to be open for business in that regard, as are a, a number of these other teams. And Washington has larger trade exceptions available. Like Washington, part of why Washington is being talked about as a Tucker destination is they have this twelve million dollar trade exception from Porzingis that Tucker, I believe, would fit into. He would. Yeah. Yeah, so but Charlotte's going to have some competition on this front, but maybe where they're ahead is that Hayward and Lowry, in theory, could help a team, and that would be the impetus. Uh, obviously, they're not trying to get better for this year, but they would want to get, uh, I think, trying to find that guy like Andrew Wiggins, who's a buy-low candidate. Maybe you try to get the Warriors to throw something else in there. I certainly would given how below water Wiggins contract looks right now uh, with the way he's performing, but maybe not too much, right? Like if, could you, what if the Warriors traded you Moses Moody and Andrew Wiggins and you could send them back? Probably it would be either, uh, it would probably be Hayward at that point, right? That's, I would, I would easily do that as the Hornets. Yeah, I think so, right? If and I don't know that the Warriors are in a position to give up a, a future first at this point necessarily. And I still 
unlike many think that Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga playing together might be their greatest hope, maybe not this year, but for next year, even if that is a rather faint hope, uh, just because I don't see how they get their defense to be good enough without that level of athleticism on the wing. Like as soon as you trade Andrew Wiggins, you're looking for the next Andrew Wiggins. I don't know if they'll, the guy that played in the 22 playoffs is coming back. Anyway, that's getting too far afield back to the Pacific Division, which we already did. I mean, Miles Bridges doesn't seem like it's worth trading him to a team that's over the cap, unless it were a team that, you know, could wink, wink, get him on a, a one plus one after this, and then re-sign him after that, right? Like that that might be a team like the Lakers, for example. I, I think he's had a few moments this year. We talked about how he's kind of fallen off, but he hasn't played much with LaMelo. I think, you know, just from a purely basketball standpoint here that you try to hold on to him and then just see what kind of contract you get him on with his bird rights and hope that getting him back in the fold for a full year uh, or maybe that you could potentially sign and trade him as well. That's the other option that you would have this offseason is you have full bird rights on him. You could then sign and trade him to a team that's over the cap, take back something that might be worth holding on to him for as well, particularly if they're still yeah, in more of a rebuilding mode. Well, and especially because Bridges' contract situation really limits the utility of another team of trading for him now. If you like yeah. Miles Bridges, wait wait six months and then you could potentially get him at that point. Yeah. If it, unless you're it, like unless you're hard cap unless you're hard capped or like couldn't handle being hard capped. Yeah. Anything else on these guys? There, the Hornets are in a really tough spot because there aren't as many contracts around the league where got teams would be there. Like you could concoct a scenario where New Orleans Pelicans, like you, they could be like, oh, you know, we CJ McCollum, he's kind of overpaid. We have these weird tax concerns. It appears that the Hornets, or not the Hornets, the Pelicans have no interest in a thing like that. So like there, there could be somebody who comes out of the woodwork, like a player who makes between twenty five and forty million that they don't just really want that contract. But the problem is for the Hornets to do that kind of a trade, you need a motivated trade partner. That's why I brought up the Ben Simmons idea because his contract is one of the most below water in the league. And so they're just not be, there are going to be a lot of bad contracts in the league very soon, but there are not right now. Yeah. So it's not really that exciting even to be like, Oh, what bad salary are they going to take on? But I'm not too interested in doing, taking on long-term salary unless I can get, a first rounder out of it or a, a quality second you noted yesterday the situation with a, a lot of the good seconds this year not being owned by the teams that, that actually are generating those but i think we could probably finish up here uh, on the hornets still got the whiz to go and of course the orlando magic or one of the more interesting teams of the trade deadline although it doesn't seem like they're they haven't historically been a franchise that does a ton but we will save them for next time thanks so much for listening talk to y'all soon at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.